HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, and finally, finally, I'm reunited <laughs> with our amazing executive director, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Aw, I missed you, Kat. It's been so long. I know, it's been like two weeks since we've done the show together. More than that, because no, we were three. back from the break, yeah. Yeah, um, I've missed you, but I was really happy to call in very ever so briefly last week. That was very fun. You called in from a trivia night. In Vienna? Yeah, it was the nerdiest trivia that has ever triviaed <laughs> from DrupalCon Vienna with all the nerds. I was so happy to have an excuse to go call you. <laughs> no, it was fun. We had a good time. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, really, really happy to be back in studio this week. Yes. We are also joined in studio by our amazing HRN team. We have Hannah Forden, Jordan Werner, Liz Mystic, and Michaela Heck. And as always, our engineer, David Tadashore is in the booth making us all sound nice. Thanks, David. <laughs> so we have some special guests today. We have Mitchell Davis and Ashley Koziak from the James Beard Foundation and Karen Karp of Karen Karp and Partners. Amazingly, all have had shows on Heritage Radio Network, so yes. welcome home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to um, so uh, Karen and Mitchell are co-directors this year of the James Beard Foundation Summit that is coming up in just a couple of short weeks here. And so we're really, really excited to give a preview into that in just a little bit after the news. But welcome, guys, to HR and Happy Hour. We're so happy to have you here. We are happy Thank to be you. here. Yeah, we are. And I think we should also um, introduce Ashley, for with whom we would never be anywhere yeah. without her <laughs> in this whole conference summit planning season. Yeah. She gets us where we need to go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amazing, guys. Um, so uh, Kara was just asking, so how does this work? So as usual, our show starts out with rapid fire headlines from around the network. And then um, we're going to give you a little preview about our upcoming field trip to Shaxbury Cider's Harvest Camp, which we're all uh, a few of us are leaving Woo! for after the show. Uh, we're excited to go foraging for apples and things. So we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and then we're going to talk to Mitchell, Ashley and Karen about the James Beard Foundation Food Summit, which is happening later this month. And then, as always, we end the show with some trivia. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into the show, uh, just a quick moment. We wanted to take a moment to send our thoughts and prayers to the families and the loved ones of the 58 people who lost their lives this past Sunday in Las Vegas at the Route 91 Harvest Festival. And we also want to mention the millions of people who continue to be affected by Hurricanes Maria, Irma, and Harvey. In a moment, we're going to talk about a couple of shows this week that focus on some disaster relief efforts. But I wanted to take an opportunity to point out a couple of wonderful organizations providing assistance to communities that are affected. The first one is Serve PR, which is an organization that's dedicated to supporting the thousands of service industry professionals in Puerto Rico that are, were affected by the hurricanes. Roughly 30% of the employment in Puerto Rico is within the hospitality industries. Serve PR is raising funds to feed family meal to those in need while helping rebuild the industry that feeds them. You can go to youcaring.com slash serve PR to learn more and help. And the other one I wanted to mention, uh, we've been posting about them a bit, is the nonprofit Texas Center for Local Food, a farmer-driven organization. They're working with six partner organizations to raise funds for farmers and ranchers across Texas who were affected by Hurricane Harvey. You can go to barnraiser.us to learn more and donate to the community to get them back to doing what they do best, providing good food to Texans and the rest of the nation. So, yeah. Thank you for letting me share that. Uh, okay, now on to our news. David? Guys, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Modernist Breadcrumbs has finally arrived. It is on the air officially as of Wednesday evening. Tune in to this collaborative podcast. It's our first episode. We partnered with Modernist Cuisine, and we're taking a look at ancient drawings on cave walls, digging through the ashes of a volcano eruption, and considering the primal evolution of bread as we know it. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash bread to listen, and please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Jordan, congratulations. It's live. Thank and thank you. you, David, for your endless editing and to the whole Modernist team. We're really excited to share with you next week a little sneak peek that we did with Nathan and Michael last night at MOFAD. It was a great event and we're so excited. And if you listen to the first episode of Modernist Breadcrumbs and you're craving more, you can listen to this week's episode of Tech Bites, in which Jennifer Liuzzi interviews Nathan Mirvold, our favorite breadhead. <laughs> and he's the brains behind the Modernist Cuisine and the forthcoming Modernist Bread. And so many brains they are. <laughs> so many brains. <laughs> Um, as food relief becomes one of the world's most pressing issues in the wake of natural disasters that have hit Puerto Rico, Texas, and Florida, this week's Eating Matters welcomes Brian Green, the CEO of the Houston Food Bank, to talk about how food gets to the people who need it most, as well as what happens when the cameras go away and the long road to recovery begins. And on Food Without Borders, Sari welcomes food and beverage writer Alicia Kennedy and bartender Rafa Garcia Fables to speak about the continuing crisis in Puerto Rico, how chefs are stepping up to provide relief for Puerto Ricans, and the best ways that we can help. 
And this week, both Cooking Issues and Radio Cherry Bomb welcome Daniel Patterson and Mandy Aftel, the co-authors of the new book, The Art of Flavor, Practices and Principles for Creating Delicious Food. And on Feast Meets West, we are joined by Rick Smith, owner of NYC's first and only premium sake shop, Sakaya. The, uh, he's on to talk about the fundamentals of this Japanese beverage. And plus, there's a special interview clip from Hong Kong with sake sommelier Ayuchi Mamose. So some say that bugs are the protein of the future. Listen to this week's Feast Your Ears, in which Harry Rosenblum interviews Chef Joseph Yoon, the executive director of Brooklyn Bugs, New York's first festival dedicated to cooking and eating insects. A few other shows you should not miss this week. It's been an incredible week. On Andrew Talks to Chefs, we featured longtime friend of HRN Chef Michael Anthony of Gramercy Tavern. Incidentally, ran into a whole team from Gramercy Tavern while I was in Vienna at Michael Harlan Turkel's friend's restaurant last (laughs) Monday night. Totally by chance. Uh, And then on Speaking Broadly, there was a great, great interview with Kristen Kish. Kristen sat down with Dana Cowan to talk about her struggles with depression, sexuality, and more, as well as her ultimate triumph not to be missed. And those are our headlines for the week. Just a little taste of all the great things that happened on Heritage Radio Network this week. All right. So it's the time to talk about Cider Camp. Did you get your car sorted? <laughs> yeah. We have, we have a car. We're going to make it there. Great. We're going to Vermont. <laughs> if we can make it to LaGuardia to pick the car up, that's the key. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, we have time to get there. We're Tomorrow afternoon, we're going to start at Windfall Orchards with a little... Um, cider tour and and maybe a little bit of foraging and then um i think there's going to be a lot of campfires and s'mores making along with apple foraging and cider tasting so we're excited that shaxbury is having us up there as part of their harvest camp it's going to be amazing and also i hope that all the content that we're going to be posting related to that gets you in the spirit for our upcoming event on october 26th which is a celebration of the old adventures of the newton pippin apple which is going to take place at 100 Bogart. It's going to feature a really fascinating history of an apple that originated just a couple blocks away from our office and is now really, really important to cider from all around the country. We're going to have an incredible cider tasting. We're going to talk about cider terroir. We're going to eat some cheese. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Search for Heritage Radio Network on Eventbrite, and you will find it, or just check your email because we will be inboxing you. And, of course, another great event coming up this month is um, the James Beard Foundation Food Summit. It's going to be October 23rd and 24th at New York City's Convene Conference Center, and it's called Consuming Power. So now I want to talk a little bit more to Mitchell, Ashley, and Karen. Um, so before, but before we get into this, can you each tell us a little bit about the show that you previously hosted on the network? Sure. I'll, they're all looking at me, so I'll start. You were first, Mitchell. You were first. Uh, I had a show for two and a half years called Taste Matters, um, because I think taste does matter, and it was a way to explore all sorts of things related to food through what I think is one of the unique perspectives we have at the James Beard Foundation, and that is that, that it is actually food that people eat and love and enjoy, and no matter what you're talking about, whether it's uh, food aid, hurricane relief, or sustainability, or um, even um, workers' rights, all that sort of thing. I think it's important to remember that food is this unique, wonderful cultural art form and to be enjoyed, and and it matters. That's all. Awesome. And I was a uh, occasional guest on Mitchell's show and, a, and sometimes a, a fill-in um, host, and so I got familiar with Heritage Radio that way, as well as when we 
um, did uh, episodes related to uh, food conferences years past. We've had uh, some luminaries here, such as Wendell Berry. Uh, we did a wonderful interview with Wendell uh, before the event a few years ago. And I, uh, along with Ben Carrick from my, from my team, uh, we produced, we designed and produced a show called How Great Cities Are Fed. It, um, it's a 10-episode it's a show of which we've done nine. <laughs> We're waiting for the last yeah. one. We're waiting for the Keep last one. Keep them waiting. One. That's yeah. what they say in yeah. radio, right? And, um, yeah, we've, and luckily we've been so busy, it's just been hard for us to wrap our heads around it. But we actually already have an idea for next, the, next, the next season of How Great Cities Are Fed. But How Great Cities Are Fed is based on a book uh, of the same name by a, uh, that was written in 1926 and published in around 1929 by a guy named Walter Hedden who was commissioned by the United States Department of Transportation at that time to take a look at how cities across the United States would actually get their food if there was, and there was the threat of a national railway strike. The strike never happened, So, uh, but Walter was totally into this topic. So he basically took a kind of an operational and an economics perspective and transportation perspective to food systems in 19... 1926, and his chapters were on things like refrigeration and the rail car and the middleman and the the loading docks. And the reason I wanted to bring that book to life is because a lot of people that are focused and interested and active and working on food, quote unquote, food systems issues, kind of think the food systems issues got became issues and problems in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s. And the book really points out that everything we're trying to make better today are the same things that people have been trying to make better since the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. So that was our point of, of putting that show together. And I, you, know, you can listen to it again and let me know what you think. It's, it's up on our website. I listened to it recently, actually. Did you? Yeah, Great. and it's, it's such a good series. Good. There's even an episode on food waste. Yeah. Ahead of the curve. Totally. Ashley? Great. Um, and I uh, had a show for a while called The Edible Alphabet, where we went through the alphabet. Uh, there are three to five minute pieces, and each episode uh, was about kind of one food item affiliated with a letter. So, for example, K is for Kellogg, and it'd be the history of Kellogg, and just going through that way. And it was a lot of fun, a lot of history. Awesome. All right. So, um, I want to start off by just asking you guys very generally what is the James Beard Foundation Food Summit, and, and why is it important? It, I'll answer that, since I was there when it started about nine years ago. Actually, it was more like 10 years ago, because we had this idea and were approached um, by an organization to try to convene a diverse group of food-focused people. I can't say food system. There were some philanthropists. There were some um, experts on sustainability. There were some chefs. Uh, and through that process, the Pew Charitable Trusts supported uh, they brought in Karen Karp and her team, and we reconnected after 15 or 20 years. And uh, we saw the real power of bringing people with very different perspectives and, and all interested in food in some way, but not necessarily ever to find themselves in the same room talking about uh, the same issues. Uh, that was just a half a day with a lunch, and we grew that to a full day, and then we grew that to this two-day mm -hmm. summit that we have now, which has about 250 people who come from all walks of the food life, um, nonprofits, farmers, chefs, policymakers, um, you name it, we try to get the philanthropists. Corporate, cor corporate food people. Yeah. And uh, we uh, find the power of the gathering in that heterogeneity, I would say. And we try to do something meaningful with them, all in service to 
providing better food to more people and made more fairly and justly. Um, however, we can sort of shift everyone together to align their values in that direction. And each of uh, each event every year has uh, a theme, which is our organizing principle. And one of the, I, I would say, signature approaches that we have to each of our themes is to bring in people, experts outside of the agriculture and food uh, uh, realm to share with us their knowledge, their perspective, their expertise about the thing that they do every day, whether it be economics or philosophy or performance art or music or anthropology. Astrophysics. 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 <laughs> Can't forget astrophysics. Um, Make it so. <laughs> Things have gotten high tech since I had my show around here. Totally, totally. There's like voices, mad, right. voices coming in from all over the place. Oh my God. But the studio audience is really great this time. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So we've great. expanded. We have a whole awesome. live audience. Yeah, there's hundreds of people I out there. I think I met that last one at a taping of the Howdy Doody show. Yeah. Think, Something like yeah. that. And anyway, so that's that's one of the things that we really um, feel that we do that is uh, unique and different and special from other food conferences and, and, and food gatherings. Um, and, and this it, year is no different. This year is no different, and it keeps a surprise going because you look at our agenda and you say, well, why is the head of the Center for Brain and Creativity going to be the, the opening speaker at a food conference? Well, that's really interesting. So what's the theme this year, and who, who are those like outside-the-box people that you're bringing in? So the theme is consuming power, and it's a lot about consumers and power. Uh, the the speaker that <laughs> the, um, the speaker that Karen just referenced is who's kind of kicking us off for the two days is Jonas Kaplan. I have his little thing right here. He's the assistant research professor of psychology, brain and creativity institute, and co-director of the Dana and David Dornsif Cognitive Neuroimaging Center at the University of Southern California. That is a mouthful. Ooh. His business card is seven yeah, feet wide. Yeah, it's real big. It's real. Um, but yeah, and we're he's going to talk about like how, how how literally what goes on in our brain when we make choices mm -hmm. like what what happens in the process cognitively as we make decisions and how that influences our behavior and, and one of his findings that we think is really pertinent to food is that um he sees that holding different beliefs makes your brain function differently mm -hmm. and so since we all feel very strongly one way or the other or many people do about food we think there's a real um correlate to the consumer and how everyone talks about trying to change behavior we have chefs who are interested in better food and farmers and producers and and all sorts of stuff but it's like the average person out there the consumer going to shop how do you get them to change the way their brain works is really what we're asking you're asking people to change beliefs almost. Exactly what yeah. we're asking, yeah. yeah. Well, and they're hard, people don't, they're that's hard. unexamined, right? Yeah, I mean, we're not asking people right. to change their beliefs, but food companies are constantly mm -hmm. asking people to change their beliefs. Advocates, uh, advocacy groups, uh, policymakers, you name it, especially food companies, are, are often, you know, that's their job, is to try to get people to buy and eat the thing that they want them to buy and eat. And they've been very successful at it. But there are other reasons to reprogram people, so to speak, reprograms mm -hmm. people's preferences or ideas or uh, inclinations. And the way we came up with this theme for this year um, is really kind of as an outgrowth of our, our theme last year, which was uh, now trending the making of a food movement, which was really we were asking the question, is there a food movement? 
Um, and, you know, the, the, the jury's still out on whether there really is a food movement. We were humbled, I think, to understand how far the food sector has to go to really, really, you know, it's, as somebody said to us, I can't remember who, um, you know, if it's on... If it's, if it's on the docket of what a legislator or a senator or a congressman is talking about when they do speeches in communities, then it is an issue. Mm. But we have so few people at, at that, polit- that political level talking about the issues of food that that's one kind of um, marker to see whether this is a movement or not. But in any event, we all kind of felt very proud of ourselves that for the last you know decade or so, there's been great momentum, if not a movement, momentum and leadership at the top levels of policy and government. And and the future looked rosy last October. Right. Yeah. Our, summit, our, our, our summit last year yeah. was two weeks before the election. Yeah. So, and our debrief was the day after election day. So how do you think that affected like the outcome last year and how do you foresee, what do you see coming out of the summit this year? Well, the, the reason I think Karen was explaining last year's topic was because we did some soul searching as everyone has done and continues to do um, and believed a few things. One is that the individual was going to be the place where change happened rather than in any policy institutions. Um, and that proved right. I mean, we started this a year ago, um, this reconfiguring and also that perhaps food would be the thing that was outside the red and blue spectrum in some way, and we could talk about it that way. So remove it from the craziness, because when you look at the priorities of things people want to give money to or want to support, you know, it's you know, there are so many, and um, they're so urgent, it feels, for some people. Um, and we wanted to find a way to empower the consumer, not just by voting, so to speak, with a dollar, but actually by engaging them, helping them to think of themselves as really um, citizens more than consumers and and participating in creating this food space we want. And so we actually, with Karen's um, guidance, we actually conducted our first research uh, project in conjunction with our, sum- our summit. We engaged with a couple of, um, well, a, a research consumer research firm who distributed a couple surveys to uh, almost 5,000 people about their food beliefs. And we're going to use that to help shape the thing, beca- the conference agenda itself, because some really interesting things came back at us. Right, right. So Mitchell and Karen, in your experience and during this research, have you found that food might be that issue where people might be able to cross a political line? Uh, I'm so here. I'm going to tease a little bit Ooh. of the data. Oh, yeah. I was I was wondering You're should gonna, we tell yeah, them? I know, should we tell yeah. Them? yeah. <laughs> Well, it Are seems we, get in trouble we for did this? ask. I don't know. We did ask because we this just is an we, exclusive guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> we did ask here. people if they. <laughs> we did ask people if who, to identify how they identified politically. We didn't ask who they voted for or anything like that, and it, the early results do seem to indicate that red and blue doesn't really change your what your values about food, which is very encouraging, I think. Um, How you can operationalize that in the current political environment is tough since nobody wants to sit across the table from each other, it seems, sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that's really makes us optimistic. Right, but that but that is maybe also the point of of getting that piece of information, which is to sit across the table from from another person, no matter who that person is, and share a, a meal of something that tastes good, is you know. I mean, there's a, a ton of metaphors I'm not going to stoop to use, but yeah. but it's where something starts. It's where That's, something starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. absolutely. 
I need you to jump in here and say, yay, science, and thank you for measuring that with data and what an important science. social insight to gather from It's so funny you say research. that because there's a lot of data at our summit this year. Yep. We have a whole section, a segment, not just on the presentation of data, but on ha- what data means. And part of that comes out of what happened last November also because there's been this, um, obviously, this, this uh, challenge to the validity of surveying, of data, of polling, mm-hmm. uh, you know, truthiness and post-factual and all that sort of stuff. Fake news. Yeah. So we we wanted to get right in there and we're bringing a bunch of experts to actually talk about not just what their findings show, but how they show them, what they don't show, how to use it and what people aren't hearing about the data, even though everyone's trying to listen in their own way. Right. Amazing. So uh, we're going to take a quick break for a minute um, and then come back and talk a little bit more about the summit and some other speakers and and things we can expect this year. Um, We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollux scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org pets. Welcome back to HR and Happy Hour. I'm Kat Johnson here with my co-host Katie Mosman-Wadler. And we are joined today by our guests, Mitchell Davis, Ashley Koziak of the James Beard Foundation, and Karen Karp of Karen Karp and Partners. Um, Karen is also co-producing the James Beard Foundation Food Summit with Mitchell. And Ashley is a, obviously a huge part in bringing that two-day event to life as well. Um, so you mentioned um, Jonah Kaplan, who's going to be opening the summit. Who are some other speakers we can expect to see at the two days? We've got quite a selection. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of data people because, as you know, as we were just talking about, data plays a really large role uh, in in the summit this year. We have Jason Clay from the World Wildlife Fund, who's really great at talking about um, how you communicate this data, how you communicate this scientific information to people who maybe are skeptical of it, but are still we're all still impacted of it uh, by it. So we have Dan Barber, who is a Leadership Award honoree this year because we're affiliated with our Leadership Awards. Some other Leadership Award honorees this year are Olivia DeShooter, um, 
Joanne Lowe and Jose Oliva from the Food Chain Workers Alliance, Joan Digussau, who is an educator, and I miss, oh, Shelly Pingree, the Honorable Shelly Pingree, who is a member of Congress. She'll be closing us out on Monday. Um, so we're really excited to the have The member her. of Congress who does put yeah. food first, yes. one of the yeah. few who puts it in yeah. the top of her docket. She was a farmer, is a farmer in Maine, um, and does a great representation there. Yeah. Go I, Maine! Yeah, go Maine, <laughs> indeed. And there's a few things I would say, you know, there's a few, obviously, one of the things we try to do always um, is this conference is it's not panels and presentations and uh, an audience sits there and continues to d- deal with all their email and, and uh, pretend that they're listening. Um, it, in fact, I refuse to use the word panel in our planning. Yes. <laughs> it's Great. it's yeah. a forbidden word in my office. It's conversations and dialogues. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like everyone's sitting at t- uh, large tables of eight and we mm-hmm. actually do a lot of group work together, Jonah. Kaplan will have a belief exercise that everyone has to participate in mm. to, to see what's strongly held and how your brain might work there before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also um, are in, try to engage people to do action. So everyone is there. We have about a 45% return rate, and, and we try to keep people moving and growing in the way that they approach food things. So we end with a big exercise where people are actually going to be writing a campaign for specific consumers. We're going to give them um, little pictures and uh, demographics and names of people. Persona. A real persona. And they're going to have to try to take some of what we've heard over the last few days and put it into practice as a group. So we're always trying to find ways to stimulate people to apply what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, a success factor for us is that somebody goes back to their job and they and they think a little differently about what they do and they have a kind of a a new um set of resources to pull to pull from to approach and to execute the work that they do that they've just expanded their network not only of people they know but of ideas and where those ideas and some of the theory and practice behind those ideas where they come from that's our that that to us is one of our goals i'll say something that i think is really important too if i may which is they do that that's not always a comfortable thing to change the way you think or to approach your work in a different way. And I remember this this very uh, important moment where I was at a wonderful food conference and it was like a you know we all hugged, hugged and you know sang songs and it was amazing. It was an amazing food movement experience. Moment, yeah. And I thought. That's not what we get at our conference. We want you to leave a little bit uncomfortable, thinking maybe a little bit differently, feeling like, oh, I thought I knew something coming here, and when I leave, I'm not so sure. Like, yeah. for us, that's it's a different approach, and it's be- partly because the audience is so diverse, but also because the Beard Foundation sees itself as a real convener of people who wouldn't be sitting next to each other. I'll tell one quick story. I was at a, I was at a vegan gala one day, <laughs> unexpectedly. Um, as one yes. as one finds oneself yes, as unexpectedly. One par- as, as a carnivore... As, as a carnivore uh, finds oneself uh, and I was it's, I did not tell anyone that I had actually written a book on foie gras but I was ta- a story began with someone I was sitting across from and said that they oh they had been at that summit and he had been a PETA participant and he had infiltrated a foie gras farm and he had sat down at one of our tables because you all sit at random tables with people you don't know with the owner of that foie gras farm and he thought what do I do now and I'm sitting we're sitting in a very sort of corporate environment and everyone's in a well-behaved professional way and I thought that is the beauty of our conference is that the PETA person could be sitting at the same table as the farm the owner of the farm who infiltrated the duck farm and maybe something will come of that. Right. That's awesome. So how can people find out about how to attend the, the summit? 
Ashley. Registration is open. <laughs> Go to the James Beard website, www.jamesbeard.org. Um, if you find your way to the Food Summit page, which is in a drop-down menu, there's a big button that says Register Now, and it will take you straight to the Eventbrite registration page, where you can register for both the Food Summit and the Leadership Awards if you'd like to attend the lovely Leadership Awards dinner that night, uh, Monday night, the 23rd. And I'll just say two words. that, that That's where we honor five people every year who are doing amazing things that make you feel lazy and stupid um, <laughs> because they are changing the world in remarkable ways. And I will, one more plug, sorry, for the Leadership Awards. The menu this year is designed by Stephen Satterfield. And it, we love him. It's, yeah. He's great, right? And there will be no waste. There will be no menu. waste. He did an incredible thing at the Slow Food Nations um, yeah. it, where he yeah. took all the leftover food from the three three or four days and then did a dinner the last night with all the, the, the what would be food yeah um incredible he's yeah. he's just a great chef in person and yeah excited to have him there. and then i'll also do a plug we're one of your media partners yes so we will be there we'll be recording the pan of uh, the sorry not the panels no. not we'll the, conversations the conversations the dialogue. Dialogue. <laughs> so um, after the summit you can um find them on our website and listen to them if you're not able to attend we're so grateful for you guys letting us partner with you again we're very excited, we're excited great we're excited there. too yeah yeah we're in the home stretch mm-hmm. that's that's a good feeling, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to the last segment of the show. We're going to do some trivia. Karen and Karen's leaving. Thank I, you, Karen. I have so to much. leave. I have to leave. I have Thank to go to a meeting. Thank you so, so much for being here with us today. So fun to be yes. back in the studio. And I know that when I see Ben tomorrow, he's going to give me that look. And I'm going to be, yeah, we got to do that wrap up. We got to do We got to <laughs> yeah. wrap. We got to wrap that, you that wrap series. One, we got to Let's talk about season two. Okay. Love it. Sounds good. Great to see all you guys. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for being on. You are just skating out before we can... Um, Put you Stumped through the, the trivia gauntlet that we're about to. <laughs> That's excellent because I'm too. terrible again. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. We'll see you around. All right. Um, okay. So for today's trivia, um, I wanted to take a look back at the shows that Mitchell and Ashley used to host um, here on Heritage Radio Network. So we're doing a little bit of Throwback Thursday trivia. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh oh. All right. So, Mitchell, your first episode of Taste Matters was titled "Why Taste Matters." Who was your first guest? <laughs> oh, we my God. I should know this. <laughs> I should know this. I was there, right? Uh, I, was there too. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll give you a hint. Yes. <laughs> Senior editor of Sever Magazine. At the time, that wasn't Adam Sachs, Mm-mm. who was the current <laughs> editor-in-chief. <laughs> uh, it was Gabriella Gershenson. That's it. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> You get a point. All right. Ashley, uh, your show, Edible Alphabet, was a monthly series that looked at the history of food one letter at a time. What did you focus on for letter E? Oh, my gosh. I don't remember. <laughs> I this was is hysterical. So this is the most embarrassing for me. <laughs> um, uh, can I get a hint? No, I can't get a hint. It starts with E. I, <laughs> <laughs> um... I have no idea. Oh, my god! That's gosh. really awful. Egg cream. Uh, egg creams. That's right. Because I'm baffled. <laughs> they don't so, have eggs. I'm only, yes. I, I look forward. That been I don't look hint. back. I'd like to say. There you go. <laughs> right. Um, okay. All right. Next question. Mitchell, your guest on episode 30 was Dr. Marian Nessel, one of Katie's favorite people in the world. Absolutely. Um, according, to her, according to her Wikipedia page, she currently resides in an apartment that was previously occupied by what famous New Yorker? Ed Koch. That's, that's what it. I know. Nice. Complete with bulletproof windows. Yeah, really? that was an easy wow. one. Yeah. She's got to stay safe. 
you know. The funny thing is, is I actually think there's some a detail in there that he didn't really ever live there because he needed it for residency in some riding, political, oh. whatever. I'm not sure that he spent a lot of time in there. I can't. There's something in the back of my mind. I watched a documentary about him, and that sounds familiar. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he, oh, he was his apartment, quote mm-hmm. unquote, but he didn't live there. Mm-hmm. All right, Ashley, your episode for letter G featured General Mills. In what decade did, Gen- did General Mills engineer Thomas R. James create the puffing gun? Oh, my gosh. I'm really bad at this, apparently. This is probably not in your show. It's a detail that I found. Okay. So, yeah. I know, like, if you ask me about the old history of General Mills, like, actual milling flour, I mm-hmm. could answer that for you. But because as far she's as from Minnesota. From she Minnesota. used to give the tours of flour General Flour milling Mills. capital of the world, 1880 to 1920 or 30. Make um, it so. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the 19... 19- 50? Is Earlier. this a puffing 40s. gun that, that Dave uses that uh, they took on tour? Yeah, I think so. Wow. You should phone a friend. Call Dave Arnold. Yeah, <laughs> Dave Arnold. Oh. It was the 1930s. 30s, wow. wow. You, you mentioned the 30s just a second ago. Was, I know. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I should have stuck with it. Yeah. Um, all right, last question. I'm Dave Arnold. <laughs> hey, Dave, what's up? Um, Mitchell, your second to last show featured Ruth Reichel. How many James Beard Awards has Ruth won? This is a question for both of you. Oh, my. I remember that interview. We were in her apartment. Yeah, I was just thinking her apartment was amazing. I could just remember uh, that. How many Beard Awards has she won? I'm going to say six. I'll, I'll, I'm going to, is it, is this price is right rules? Is this closest to the number without going over? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with seven. It's actually four. Oh, I win. She you, win. You, you made the rules. No, you, oh. both, you both went over, so I think yeah. technically oh. you both Busted. Oh, right. um, she Close. won in 1996 and 1998 for restaurant criticism, one in 94 for journalism, and in 84 for who's who of food and beverage in America. Does that sound right? Yeah, that yeah? sounds right. Okay. I should know that because I've been at the Beard Foundation since 1993. Oh. 24 years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Coming up on a quarter century. What's the the anniversary medal for that? Do you know? Jordan Uh, just got married this weekend. Oh, for 24? For 25. 25. It's Silver Jubilee. Silver, yeah. 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 All right. Thanks for being such a good sport with our trivia. (laughs) Thank you for (laughs) asking such great questions. I had no idea that's where we were going. I just wanted to inspire you to go back and you know listen yeah. to all your shows to <laughs> further inspire you to come back. Yeah, some new episodes Absolutely. for us. Yeah. All right, all right, that wraps up our show today. Thank you again, Mitchell and Ashley, for being here and telling us about the Food Summit. Thanks to Karen once again. Um, we had such a great time with you guys. Please come back anytime. Yeah, anytime. Thank uh, you. And just a reminder to our members that we are about to start our fall fund drive. So if you want to shut me up a little bit earlier, donate now by going to heritageradionetwork.org and click the beating heart at the top right corner of your screen. You can pick from presents and we will love you forever. Woo. That was Hannah Ford and our awesome membership coordinator. Thank you also to Liz Mystic, who produced the show today, to Jordan Werner, our Julia Childbellow, to Michaela Heck, our uh, intern, and as always, my co-host, Katie Mosman-Wadler. And last but not least, David Tadashore. The one and only. Who gets the, the most applause every time. Somehow, That's I don't know why. Our studio audience oh, what a great goes audience. wild <laughs> for him every time without fail. You know who loves David Tadashore? Carrie Diamond. Loves she David. loves David Tasha. Uh, she tried to hand feed me a raspberry <laughs> that she picked from a bush in front of Roberta's this afternoon. Ooh. I mean, that's true love, right? Yeah, yeah I guess so. Yeah. All right. Was I? 
Well, um, I hope to see you guys next week. I was week. stuffing my face with pizza <laughs> when that happened, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening and for joining us on HR and Happy Hour. And to wrap up, we want to take a moment to pay tribute to one of the world's greatest musicians, Tom Petty, who passed away on Monday. His words, voice, and incredible music will never be forgotten. May he rest in peace. She's a good girl Loves her mama Loves Jesus In America too She's a good girl Crazy about Elvis, loves horses, and her boyfriend too. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.